Well, you are listening to WCPN FM Ann Arbor, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. Still scraping my earballs off after that musical number. I'm Jim Dwyer. Yeah, I don't know where that came from, but that needs to go into the rubbish bin. <laughs> Not the new bin. We apologize for that. special there. For... That song, but... Uh, <laughs> We play everything down here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, so we're not blaming our engineer, Andrew, for what you just heard. We'll attribute that to a uh, mistaken file. (laughs) A misplaced file. Uh, Well, it's it's strange that we had been talking, of course, last week about uh, mass shootings here in the United States and uh, yet another one. This one... Uh, Far more devastating and far more troubling, uh, simply because there's been a rash of increases in uh, hate crimes against Muslims. Uh, That is simply not good. And um, the mass shootings in the United States continue at uh, an alarming pace. This one, of course, has additional elements of strangeness, but I don't know why we're having a debate about the phrase terrorism or why this matters. Uh, Mass shootings are so common in the United States that it's all terrorism. And my point exactly. Um, Whatever the motives, when uh, anyone can equip themselves to the teeth and, uh, you know, turn their home into a munitions depot... Uh, and attack a church or a movie theater or a school, uh, that's terrorism by any honest definition. Regardless of the uh, agenda or motives, it's uh, it's the same thing. Yeah, and there's there's an element of denial about this. I just wanted to read from a Nicholas Kristof uh, column dated 8-27 of, of this year, 2015. Uh, this, by the way, in response to the two journalists that were killed on television live. Uh, I don't know if you recall that incident, but this uh, was just one more, as he puts it, macabre double murder. Uh, But three quick data points from his column regarding gun violence in the United States that claims one life every 16 minutes. More Americans die in gun homicides and suicides every six months than have died in the last 25 years in every terrorist attack and the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq combined. Now, I think he's referring to Americans died, dying in those conflicts. More Americans have died from guns in the United States since 1968 than on the battlefields of all wars in American history. Think about that. We're talking about the Civil War in which well over 700,000 people died. American children are 14 times as likely to die from guns than children in other developed countries, according to David Hemingway, a Harvard professor and author of an excellent book on firearm safety. Those are the facts. Unfortunately, Nothing will be done about the assault weapons that were used in this particular case. 
Well, and that's the the easy no-brainer one for like a gun control fix is assault weapons, combat type, commando style weapons, uh, glorified in sort of pornographic magazines on newsstands everywhere, and of course in the movies that's an entertainment illusion. Um, and it's no sane hunter yeah. needs these weapons. These are being brought, by the way, to uh, anti-Islamic rallies in Texas, outside mosques, by some of the uh, rabid Second Amendment freaks that pollute our nation. Of course, uh, this particular um, murder was not a murder-suicide. So there are elements of this crime to me that remain... Somewhat unexplained. I'm going to give a little bit of analysis tonight that's going to differ quite a bit from the mainstream media. Uh, let's remember that uh, the woman involved um, was born in Pakistan, raised in Saudi Arabia, went to college in Pakistan. Um, she allegedly posted something the day of the uh, tr atrocities. Facebook posting, yeah. And I still have some question marks about that. Uh, the United States is exceedingly eager from a geopolitical perspective to kind of link this to ISIL and Syria. I don't see the linkage yet. Now, I'm not saying there isn't one. And I'm not saying that this posting on ISIL was about, on Facebook about ISIS, ISIL. I'm going to use the president's term for this uh, barbaric organization. They have nothing to do, by the way, with a caliphate. Nothing to do with a caliphate. That, that term has been misused repeatedly over the last several months by various people. Uh, we also have an, a male, an American-born male. We'll just call him a nebbish. <laughs> That's Yiddish slang. You can look it up. It's a funny word. But uh, he's like all the other mass shooters in the United States. But let's remember a couple of facts about him. He was 11 to 12 years old when Columbine happened, and he was 13 to 14 years old when 9-11 happened. Do we think, or can we project that he was uh, picked on in school for his religion? Probably. He was certainly a likelihood. He wasn't born in uh, Pakistan. He was born in the United States, but his parents were. They both came from troubled homes. So I question the ISIL connection at this point. I'm not disputing that it happened, but I'm skeptical. It's interesting that an FBI spokesman called it a nebulous um, fact. Um, both of these... Uh, Individuals, by the way, came from troubled families. And to me, there is an element of Matahari and the Manchurian candidate that is very fascinating about this whole story. And we don't know all the facts, but we have a troubled, lonely American trolling the internet for a wife. Bingo, bango, bongo. Think about it. We don't know who radicalized who, but it also strikes me that this was not a suicide. This was a shoot-and-run attack. 
I want to bring up one other important fact that's going to probably get lost in the in the shuffle over the next couple of weeks. Perhaps you can uh, make some comments about this. It was reported that there was a work a coworker named Nicholas Thanasinos, 52 years old, who was one of the people killed in this uh, shooting, and he and uh, the male suspect apparently argued frequently about politics, says that Mr. Than Lacinos and his wife were apparently Messianic Jews, a faith that incorporates elements of Judaism and Christianity, and that her husband wore traditional Jewish tassels. And that he enjoyed talking about politics, his wife said. And then on Facebook, he was not shy about expressing his views. My husband was very outspoken about ISIS and all of these radicalized Muslims, quote, adding, quote, if I had thought that somebody in his office was like that, he would have said something. Uh, a coworker reported uh, two weeks ago that she overheard him arguing about Israel with the male suspect. This, of course, was reported earlier on. This is why they were talking about a workplace shooting. It's interesting that they rented an SUV with out-of-state plates. Were they making a getaway? Did they have airline tickets to leave the country and fly away? Because let's remember the chaos of an event like this. It's going to take a long time for them to determine the whereabouts of the male suspect who worked at this facility. So the element of a workplace shooting cannot be ruled out, in my opinion. Hmm. They didn't commit suicide. And by the way, ISIL's preferred method of attacks are suicide bombings, car bombings. The difference is in the United States, they can get a hold of these kinds of weapons. And of course, the recent attack in Paris... It's been well established that the arms sort of bonanza, the marketplace to get illegal arms in Europe is in Brussels, where almost all of the suspects that attacked the deceased in Paris picked up this weaponry and took advantage of open borders. We also, of course, have the visa marriage phenomena in this case. So I think that there are a lot of aspects of this criminal action that need to be further investigated and analyzed before we start jumping to conclusions about the role of ISIL in this attack. They eventually claimed responsibility, calling them soldiers of the caliphate, which of course is propaganda nonsense propagandistic nonsense. And uh, at the end of the day, regarding the word terrorism and the, and, the, and the use of it and the debate, the semantic debate that's been going on for several days, I don't get it. It doesn't have any political meaning in the United States anymore in the, in the context of all the mass shootings. Well, it's a word like all words that has taken on new meanings and sometimes even conflicting meanings, meanings uh, as the history of its usage is ongoing. 
uh, once upon a time, terrorism was something that happened on airplanes. Hijackings were, you know, sure. as far as Americans were concerned, their experience of it versus, say, European experience. Uh, the reluctance to call uh, domestic uh, hate crime, uh, hate group sort of activity, terror, um, has finally broken down. And so now the term is just another generic term, um, easy to misuse and uh, sort of red flag uh, to, you know, oh, this this is terrorism. That's the worst possible thing. But uh, there have been about as many people killed in the United States since uh, September 11th, 2001, uh, by white supremacist and other right-wing extremist ideological groups uh, than there have been uh, killed by so-called Islamic terror. So, Yeah, and there have been hundreds of mass There's shootings. Plenty of terror going around, and it's accessibility to guns that make it all possible. And let's also make an observation about Pakistan. Uh, Pakistan, of course, was used by the American government to funnel... Weapons of mass destruction, why not use that goofy phrase, into the Afghan conf conflict during the 1980s. The United States has always viewed Pakistan, not always, but since uh, the famous tilt to Pakistan by Richard Nixon and Henry Kissinger back in the 70s, as an ally in the region. But let's remember that Pakistan as a country was created out of the partition of Israel, of uh, India, and that Pakistan was created in 1947, the same year, by the way, as the Arab-Israeli, first yeah. Arab-Israeli conflict uh, wars, uh, in which Israel was essentially carved out of what at the time was called Palestine. But uh, reading from a recent uh, New York Times book review about the Pakistan conflict, I'm quoting from Atish Tashir here, few books need to be more urgently written than a definitive oral history of the 1947 partition of India. The partition, even by the standards of, bloody, of a bloody century, was hideous. It left between one and two million people dead and displaced 15 million others, caused the dismemberment of a syncretic society and led to the largest forced migration in the history of humanity. Now, is that hyperbole? <laughs> no, actually not. <laughs> that, that was a pretty horrific scenario uh, at the whim of uh, British imperial decision. Yeah, and this, by the way, and I bring this, this back up because let's remember that both of these suspects, and they're not suspects, they clearly perpetrated this act, um, were um, connected to Pakistan uh, directly and indirectly. The female educated there, born there. Um, her uh, upbringing, by the way, suggests some, let, let, let's put it gently, um, sort of mystical ideas about Islam uh, that are that are terms that are a little nebulous even in, of themselves connected to Sufism. Um, well, of course, her time in Saudi Arabia, Wahhabism is... Uh, indeed. Uh, such a sect. So um, 
I think that these are relevant facts that are going to get lost in this sort of hyperbole about ISIL. Uh, as for ISIL, um, well, they are surrounded. Uh, they're not contained, quote unquote, but uh, I, I think that there is pretty ample evidence that there is a massive coalition of governments that want to deal with this problem eventually. And I think that that's the key. So when Barack Obama spoke to the nation last night and ruled out a ground war in Syria, I think he was criticized by Republican candidates. But I'm a little unclear what was wrong with what he said. Because he pointed out, we can't be the occupying army. Somebody else has to do it. And it's interesting that just several months ago, the Libyan government, beleaguered by a sect and a spinoff of ISIL that's in control of a area called CERT, requested assistance from the Arab League to deal with the ISIL problem. And, of course, we know that Saudi Arabia and elements in Saudi Arabia have funded components of ISIL, that ISIL has lost territory in the last year, particularly um, because of the Kurds and that activity. So a massive ground war that uh, some uh, uh, presidential candidates are suggesting strikes me as unworkable and non-existent. There's a lot of people criticizing Barack Obama that are in Congress. What are they doing? What's, what's their job? What's their role? They won't even, you know, have a technical vote on the authorization of force, even though they want to debate endlessly about what's wrong with Obama's strategy. There was even criticism of the speech last night in which he didn't lay out his strategy. And I'm like, it's not what he's doing tonight. <laughs> he's talking about hate crimes here in America. He's talking about the fact that the FBI is still investigating and other uh, investigative agencies of our massive intelligence uh, budget are still investigating aspects of the case that I think remain troubling and are likely to get buried in some report <laughs> at some point. Um, so th those are some of the things that certainly concern me. Well, regarding the president's speech, uh, you know, almost no matter what he was going to say, uh, Republicans weren't going to like it. The Fox News intellectual elite uh, were happy to call these horrible attacks a war on Christmas because it happened to have been a Christmas party scenario yeah. in the workplace. Uh, but, uh, I found myself thinking about, uh, Terry Gilliam's Brazil because of the, you know, oh, the president, president usually doesn't do these speeches in this room, but that room is all decorated for Christmas. So we'll do it from the Oval Office where there were still Christmas ornaments in sight. Of course, Gilliam's Brazil is a, a film, uh, well worth seeing if you haven't, uh, that is one of those, uh, not really about Christmas movies that happens to be set at Christmas. 
involving the commonplace occurrence of horrible explosions and terror crimes uh, amidst shoppers attempting to uh, go about their holiday joy. Uh, and it's, it seems strikingly uh, receptive to uh, where we have sort of ended up. Today, of course, also December 7th. And on Turner Classic Movies today, they've been showing a series of uh, Pearl Harbor-related films, including two installments of uh, Frank Capra's documentary series, Why We Fight. And it occurred to me that as President Roosevelt was shown talking about the attack on Pearl Harbor, uh, he spoke to the nation by radio at that point, but we see him speaking in the film. Uh, Did people who were on the right wing after listening to that speech say fdr he's he's a liar he's 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 stupid right the way that obama's attempts to just simply basically the function of this speech is hey everybody's pretty rattled about this but don't worry there are competent people uh investigating and doing everything they can to try and prevent this sort of crap from happening i wish we could do more yeah and of course he just for the record, he did name specifically the three mass shootings that have been attributed to Muslims. But that doesn't explain the remaining 198 or 250 or whatever number you want to use. The FBI, of course, is defining a mass shooting now as four people dying. Uh, most of the mass shootings in the United States, by the way, are angry white men who believe in the Second Amendment and decide to kill their children and their wife and then themselves. These happen on a routine basis uh, in the United in in the United States uh, and fairly rarely elsewhere. By the way, there's a fascinating statistical analysis of gun violence in the United States compared to other nations. Uh, I would like to point out that in response to mass shootings, Australia. Great Britain and Germany banned assault rifles immediately. Yeah, the assault rifle thing is, again, it's the, it's the no-brainer. The only function and purpose of these things is to cause mass carnage. Uh, even the people in Congress who can't vote for uh, some uh, sane and logical approach to controlling, strictly uh, limiting uh, access to these sorts of weapons... How can they not say they're being paid off? There's no logical reason to allow just anybody to have access to this kind of machinery. You can't have an atomic bomb. And, of course, I somewhat don't re- need one. regret not bringing in the Saturday New York Times editorial on the front page about the problem with the gun situation in the United States in which the politicians that are opposed to this reasonable r- regulations— including the irony, as the president has pointed out over the last week, that we have people on no-fly lists who can buy guns legally in the United States. Right. Absolutely incredible. And then have people say, well, no, we don't need to tighten those loopholes anymore. That would be too restrictive. Yeah. Um, and An absolutely incredible uh, fact brought to our attention. Um so, you know, obviously nothing is going to happen on the on the Second Amendment front. Uh, by the way, there actually was some good news today. The Supreme Court, by a five to four ruling in which Kennedy joined uh, the liberal justices, um, upheld the right of a 
Chicago suburb to ban assault weapons. That's a local ordinance. So we're not going to get any action from Congress. Um, what? How are they going to do anything to help the situation? That is interesting. They take money. And, of course, this is part of the Supreme Court jurisprudence history of the Second Amendment that says that the Second Amendment is not absolute. We banned machine guns back in the 1930s because of John Dillinger, Al Capone. We can go down the list. Pretty Boy Floyd, Bonnie and Clyde. Because it's a weapon whose only purpose and function is mass carnage. Sure. it's You know, in combat, it's your friend. In all other contexts, you have no need for one. No, you, you certainly don't. And it's frightening that there are hundreds of thousands of them in circulation, even in the state of California. That even um, proposals to, to ban some of these weapons would grandfather in the 300 million weapons that are already in existence. Well, the accounts, too, that uh, the gun sales on Black Friday were a new record. And, you know, of course, that's what the baby Jesus is all about, you know, getting guns for Christmas. Um, you think of all the money in the industry... Which and, was the main one of the major points in the New York Times editorial, that it's the politicians taking the money who cower to the NRA, have no courage to stand up to them. And what do they do? They take pot shots at, at the president of the United States for bringing this subject up. It's an uncomfortable subject, but it's real. And, uh, you know, I remain flabbergasted. Obviously... You would you would think that the no fly concept yeah. would would be something that would happen. There's got to um, be some crossover onto a no gun list from immediately. From that list. Yeah. Um, but a spokesman for the Brady organization put it perfectly: some guns need to be banned from all people, and all guns need to be banned for some people. And the idea that mentally ill people can buy guns, obtain guns. And by the way, in this particular case, there's still um, some investigation regarding two of the four weapons that this couple owned. Apparently, they were purchased from a friend. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure these were the assault rifles, by the way. Um, yeah, you don't have to do a background check if it's person-to-person -person sale. Yeah. So incredible. what could be more convenient for the back alley buy? The, the uh, you know, I heard a thing on the BBC. Is your character good? Uh, you look pretty good. Okay, you got the cash. Yeah, that's that's the character. Yeah, and I heard a report last night in the BBC that was, was almost comical if it weren't so tragic. They said that this individual, the, you know, the authorities want to speak to him, but he's, quote, checked himself into a mental health clinic. Okay. <laughs> um, what is he thinking of the defense that the Colorado uh, Batman shooter used for his defense of what he did when they try to claim that he didn't know what he was doing when he clearly did? It's ridiculous whether he was mentally ill or not. I think it's beyond dispute. He clearly was, but that doesn't justify his premeditation, which clearly is present in this particular Indeed. candidate uh, in this particular case. Um as for the devotion to Islam that this couple, uh, you know, all the reports are, they were very devout that they went 
to the mosque five days, five times a day to pray and whatnot. And you begin to wonder what's going on here. What really is going on? Um, was this anger from a workplace place incident where he had been stockpiling weapons for three or four years because uh, he was a gun enthusiast, apparently, with a, with a getaway in mind, where they drop the baby off with the grandmother and catch a flight out of the United States somewhere unknown while the authorities are dealing with yet another scene of carnage? It kind of sounds like what they used to call a TV movie of the week. Well, it's amazing. The, the more you sort of scrutinize the what-ifs yeah, well, in the scenario. Donald Trump, I mean, if he doesn't become the president of the United States, he's such a bonehead. He probably can create a mass shooting of the week in the United States. They can have a contest. It can become a reality TV show. They'll give out prizes. Vacations. Dinner with Trump. <laughs> Dinner with Trump. Uh, because some of his, his comments have been completely outrageous in recent weeks. And he's going up in the polls. And yeah, actually, some of the things he said, and, and I never thought I'd say this. I never thought I'd say this. Some of the things Trump has said have made me look back and admire in context the relative demeanor of George W. Bush. As yeah. far as his decency towards Muslim Americans in the wake of the 9-11 attacks. Right. That's, that's to me, the high water mark. That's the only positive thing I can really say about that guy as a president. But that's an important thing for him to have. I mean, he could have been like Trump. Sure. And we could have had internment camps. And, of course, this is being... Trump would. Him and Ted Cruz are openly discussing exactly. this sort of moronic ideas. I mean, it's... It's promoted on as a valid policy. It's it's absolutely mind-boggling. And as for Eisel, by the way, just to quote from a, a scholar, Olivier Roy uh, pointed out, Isis's reach is bounded. There are no more areas that it can extend by claiming to be the defender of Sunni Arab populations. To the north, there are the Kurds. To the east... Iraqi Shiites to the West, Alawites, now protected by the Russians. And all are resisting it. To the South, near the Lebanese, who worry about the influx of Syrian refugees, nor the Jordanians, who are reeling from the horrid execution of one of their pilots, nor the Palestinians have succumbed to any fascination for ISIS. Stalled in the Middle East is rushing headlong into globalized terrorism. ISIS is not contained, but they are surrounded. The question on the policy is when is the movement on the ground going to go in? 